0: Well, if you have your Bible this morning or a way to get to Scripture, turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to uh, talk a little bit uh, out of Ephesians 5. <clears throat> we'll get there in a few moments, but we're in this series, uh, Relationships Last a Lifetime. Relationships Last a Lifetime. And that simply means that throughout your whole life, you're going to have relationships at one level or another. It may not be the same person from beginning to end. Uh, But you will have some sort of relationship. No man, no woman is an island. You cannot do it by yourself, though you may want to sometimes. I know people get on your nerves and uh, rub you the wrong way, and you kind of say, I'm not answering the phone, and I'll just watch, you know, uh, Law and Order, and and that's it. And, uh, you know, and you want to be by yourself. But God didn't design it that way. He designed it that we would be together. Amen. And so how many have got uh, at least a little something so far out of the relationship series? I don't know about you, but at least one of the messages maybe. Uh, We've talked so far about the first and foremost relationship that we have to have, and that's our relationship with Jesus. Remember Matthew 22, verse 37. uh, The first and great commandment is love the Lord your God with how much? All All of your heart. Come on, all of it. It has to be first. That's our foundation. If that relationship is not right, no other relationship will be right, including the relationship uh, to ourselves. And that was the second thing we talked about, loving and relating to yourself. Now, that doesn't mean loving and uh, revering the fallen man because we are supposed to crucify that man, but it means your redeemed man, the spirit, the real you, love, be able to look in the mirror and say, God has a plan for your life. Come on. God loves you. God is for me and not against me. Amen. And so we must have that relationship right before we can really relate to others. I mean, you're not able to relate to others, which is the the third thing we talked about, loving and relating to others. How can you do that if you can't love and relate to God and you can't love and relate to yourself? You have to understand the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God to be able to give that to yourself. Come on. And then you have to be able to understand that to be able to give it to others or we'll do it insufficiently. We'll do it out of our own heart, which is deceitful. Come on. We'll do it out of our our own thoughts, which are carnal. Come on. But we need to give grace and mercy out of the, the same way that God loved us, the same way that God loved us. You know, Jesus, uh, Paul said these words. He said, listen, you know, this is the way that God loves you. He's for you and not against you. And, uh, you know, he gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He gives you second chances and third chances and fifth and ninth and 26 and 37 chances. Come on. And actually, the truth of the matter is really he only gives you a second chance. If you, if you want to really be honest about it, he really only gives you a second chance. Because once you got that chance, everything else is wiped away. You're back to number one. Come on. He doesn't look at it like that. He doesn't say, this is the fifth time you didn't come to me. No, God doesn't do that. So you just get another second chance. But he does that eternally as long as you come to him. If you're in the pig pen, guess what? Get up. Come to yourself and say, listen, a servant gets treated better than this in the house of my father than me. I'm going back home. So as long as you're able to do that, God welcomes you with open arms and he restores you. Come on. And so we must love that way. Paul said, that's the way God loves you. He said, love like that. Love like that. Think about it. Love like that. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about having a great relationship with your church. A great relationship with your church. Well, let's start with what relationships are. Relationships are multifaceted connections between people of all ages, all places for all of life that bring fulfillment and enhance our destiny. How many know we need each other to fulfill our purpose and to reach our destiny? We need others in order to do that. Helping us live a full and satisfying life. And I hope throughout the past number of weeks, you've been able to make our relationships your highest goal. I hope you've been able to refocus and make them your greatest aim, your first priority. That's why you're here, because of these things. It needs to be your deepest aspiration, your strongest ambition, your constant. Focus and your passionate intention. We heard a, a testimony this morning about going into Kairos and how that uh, you know, really moved uh, the people that were there who were there to share with the inmates. It really, uh, and listen, isn't that why we're here? Why are we here? Are we here to do programs and get accomplishments and get degrees and all of that? All of those things are vehicles to get us to why we're really here, and that's loving and relating to each other. Relationships should be our highest goal. There's nothing higher than having good, solid, godly relationships in all areas of our life. And so we have to become passionate about relationships. We have to. It's God's command to us. Come on. We have some vital relationships, our relationship to God, ourself, and others. Listen, uh, we, we have some intentional relationships. Well, we, we didn't really talk about uh, marriage. That's a whole 13 weeks on its own. Come on. I mean, ups and downs. Come on. Some of us got some testimonies and some, uh, I don't know what kind of monies with that. You know, come on. Some of us have been through some things. Come on with that. And so uh, that's a a whole nother 13 weeks. So we'll do that, uh, you know, at some point. Uh, But those intentional relationships are important. And we're going to talk today a little bit about our relationship to our church, your relationship to your church. Now, Jesus loves his church. How many would agree with that this morning? He loves his church. He gave his life to redeem, establish, and also build his church he gave his life he shed his very blood for his church not the church building not the church organization not the mega church not the small church not the this church not the black church not the white church not the korean church not the filipino church but people his church come on those who have given their lives to the lord and said god come into my life take my heart you are my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you died on the cross and the Spirit rose, ra- ra- rose you from the dead. Come on. Raised you from the dead. And now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. If you've made that confession and you believe that in your heart, guess what? He's grafting you into the church, the body of Christ. You know, we like to use this term a child of God you know we're all children of God I would disagree with that and I know that might you know mess up somebody's theology or maybe I'll get a, I tried to avoid some letters earlier so maybe I'll get some letters now uh, but uh, I, I would disagree with that we're all created by God but we're not all children of God come on uh, those who have the spirit of God have the right to be called sons and daughters of God come on now you have to follow that Romans ten, nine and 10 in order to be a child of God. He fills you with his spirit, gives you his very DNA. And now you're part of a family of God. Ephesians 5.25 in the New King James, Paul used this analogy of husbands and wives. And he put it this way. He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and guess what gave himself for her husbands love your wives just as just as just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her listen to this in an expanded version it says this it says husbands go all out in your love for your wives don't hold anything back exactly as Christ did for the church. How many know Christ didn't hold anything back when it came to the church? I mean, he gave everything. He gave his last breath. He gave all of his blood. Come on. He gave his time. He gave his teaching. He gave his mind. He gave everything to the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. How many know that love is marked by what you give, not by what you receive? Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. I want you to listen to these words now. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. That's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one In marriage, Paul says, his words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best in her. Now I have a question for you. This is the way that Christ loves the church. Remember what Paul said, love like that? Is everything that we say and everything that we do, is it designed to bring out the best in each other? Come on, think about that now. I'm talking about us here in church. Or do we talk about sister so-and-so when she's not at church or when they say a certain thing or when the pastor does something like move the drums to the middle of the stage and you don't agree with it? Would you talk to him about it or would you just talk about him about it? Come on, somebody. I'm talking real stuff now. I'm talking things I've seen and you have too in church. Do we say things that edify and even in correction, do we say things that edify and lift up the body and lift up others as Christ does? Is that how we act? Maybe we need to reevaluate ourselves in the church. I know our church, just like every other church, would love to be kingdom-minded and go out and, and get people into the kingdom and add to the church like they did in Acts. And we'd love to see all of our seats filled with new believers and those who come in. We want to go out to the highways and the byways and bring them in. We want to preach the gospel, come on, so that people are changed and they come into the church. But my question to you is, are we treating each other like Christ treated us? Because I don't want to bring people in to a place where they're going to get beaten down. Come on, if they don't show up for church or if they dress the wrong way or if they say the wrong thing. Come on, somebody. I mean, are they coming into a place where they can learn, be taught, and be lifted up? What, what is our intention? Is our intention to lift people up or is it to put them down? Come on. And so that's why we cannot understand loving others until we first understand the love of Jesus. Loving Jesus begins with a living relationship to Jesus by receiving Him in your life. We know that resulting in a new spiritual life that connects you to Christ's church. A congregation of people who join together. They pray together, worship, grow. They reach the lost and fulfill the God-given vision. That's the church that we're striving for. What is a great relationship with your church then? Great relationship with your church is vital and it's growing. Having a heart full of passion, excitement. And faith for the future. It is a love motivated to build the house. I'm going to say that again. It is a love motivated to build the house. Engage in the vision. Don't be one who sits back. You can't win unless you're in the game. Come on. And please Jesus who is the head of the church there are those who are in church that maybe attend or come to church. There are are, are different levels of people and different perspectives, I believe, on church. There are those who, you know, they come to church, but really they're not going to give everything to church because maybe they've been offended. Maybe they've been hurt before. You know, when I came and we talked about our marriage, you took my husband's side, or, you know, when I made that suggestion, you never uh, even thought anymore. You said yes, yes, but you never implemented the suggestion. Or, you know, what, I was never recognized for that thing I did. You know, Sister Andrew was recognized and Beth were recognized, but when I did the thing over here, I wasn't recognized. And, and so people get offended. And I do want to apologize to you for the church. Sometimes we miss things. Why? Because Jesus is perfect, but his church is made up, at least now in this time, of em- Perfect people. I'm not making an excuse, but you miss stuff too. Come on. Sometimes we just miss some things. And maybe you just need to come and say, well, yes, I was offended. Doesn't mean I don't love you, but I just thought you should know. Get it off my chest and then give someone an opportunity to apologize. And maybe we can correct it and go forward instead of talking behind the back, just not showing up. Whatever happened to so-and-so? I hadn't seen him in six weeks. I don't know. Somebody called him. They called him. Well, we was offended. Six weeks... I don't even remember what happened six weeks ago. Did we have that kind of service? Oh, I guess we did. Well, sorry. Come back next week. We'll recognize you. You did a great thing. It was so good. We love you. And we'll, I'm, I'm mocking, but we'll do it sincerely. We love to recognize people. In case you In case you haven't been here for a very long time, we love to recognize people. We love to have kids up when they do great in school when they're uh you know get a medal uh graduation sunday was last week we honored our graduates Uh, we love to recognize people because we want to lift each other up that's what we want to do and so you have those who get offended but they don't say anything they keep it and it festers in their heart and then all of a sudden you don't see them anymore and i want to also give you a piece of advice if you're offended in church Even if you feel like, I don't want to go to that church anymore, don't let that thing drive you away from Jesus because it wasn't Jesus that offended you. Come on, somebody. And if His Word offended you, then it should have because it's probably sin or probably something you shouldn't be doing anyway or a way you shouldn't be thinking. So if the Word offends you, take it as a blessing. But don't leave the side of Jesus because you're offended by someone in the church. Come on, people. How are we going to move forward? If we keep walking in a fence. And then you have those that churches, well, it's just not a priority. I mean, I'm so busy. It's There's a lot of things to do. I didn't get all my clothes washed, and I need to wash the car and clean the house, and I need to prepare because I got people coming next week, and I'm, I'm, I'm just so busy. And so, you know, I'll come, and you'll see me uh, a couple times a month or maybe once a month or once every... I don't mean to step on any toes. I'm not looking at anybody in particular I'm just I'm just saying there's uh, listen I've been that way I've been there I've told you my story about how I missed a couple Sundays at church and then I missed a third Sunday and then the fourth Sunday I wanted to go back so bad to church but I felt like I'd already missed three Sundays and now they're probably going to talk about me or want to know what happened I don't have a good excuse for not coming so I missed a, I missed a month of Sundays in church for what? And then the fifth Sunday, the next month, I went back and they just loved me. Never even asked what happened. They just said, we missed you. Get on the keyboards and start playing. Come on. That's the way we should be in church. But sometimes it's just just not a priority for people. It's just not a priority. And, And you have those people too. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about the church that I love and the church that I see. This is the church that we are striving to be. Come on, we may not be there yet, so don't criticize, don't put it down. I mean, you might look around and say, yeah, we're not that way. Well, listen, we're trying to get there. And guess what? It's about, not just about me, but it's about you. Come on, if we're going to get there, we got to get there together. We got to get there together. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying we need to get there together. The church I love and the church I see is a church filled with Jesus' presence as people gather, a real powerful presence where jesus is unashamedly exalted i'm not ashamed to exalt the name of jesus in this church come on passionately with prayer and worship and joy i'm not afraid to do whatever if i lift my hands i'm not afraid to do that if i cry out i'm not afraid to do that if i want to come up front and wave a flag i'm not afraid to do that i'll just praise my god and worship my god because I'm not ashamed of God. Come on. Jesus is exalted in this place. That's the church that I love. He's the head of the church. And if it weren't for him, none of us would be here. And so the church I love is filled with his... We need to be a presence-driven church. Presence-driven. Not a board-driven. Come on. Not a congregation-driven. Not even a pastor-driven Because the pastor ought to be getting his instructions. Come on, somebody. But we need to be a presence-driven church. Psalm 26, 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. That's where, listen, that's where my healing is. That's where my deliverance is. Come on, that's where my salvation is, in your presence, where your presence is. The church I love is made of all people. Connecting and loving and genuine community. Sharing life and resources and helping one another in a real and tangible way. I love a church that welcomes all people. Come on. I I love a church that's able to get past barriers. And I mean practical barriers, music barriers. Come on. Right? Come on. Language barriers. I just don't mean foreign languages. I mean, some of us in Indiana talk different languages from different cultures. Come on. <laughs> but if we're able to get past that and love everybody, you, God made you the way. I've said this before probably a hundred times. Don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, it cracks me up when people say, you know, I don't see color. <laughs> and I, I, I love that because I know that it's, they have a good heart and they, they, they really mean it from a good place. But God, listen, Sharon, you look beautiful with your yellow on so beautiful so colorful come on my wife looks so beautiful with the red I know you guys think I'm colorblind don't you I am but I can see yellow and red so if you just wear one color I can tell so that's a hint everybody next week no I'm just kidding don't do that but I see color God made us different colors for our purpose enjoy it we're all different enjoy it we've got to respect and love one another come on and I love a church that is made of all people connecting and loving together. Get there together. Come on, that looks like heaven to me. When I look at a church and it's just filled with a ray of people, that looks like heaven to me. Come on. Church I love is an authentic network of people thinking and acting as God intended. Uh, all that business jargon, all that means is we're, just, we're, we, we, we're connected together and we're trying to follow the mind of Christ. Thinking as God intended for us to think. Well, I think we ought to do such and such. I remember uh, talking about a, a Bible meeting. Some folks were in it. It wasn't a Bible meeting. It was a trustee meeting of a church, and uh, the, the folks were in the in the church and. Uh, pastor was there talking about well you know the the, we we need to do this and they were kind of fussing and arguing i don't know if you've ever been in church meetings but there's fussing and arguing sometimes not in ours but you know in other churches and uh there's some fussing and arguing and all of that in the meeting so that happens and uh pastor said well you know the bible says and one person said well i don't care what the bible says we need to do it this way yeah yeah true story and so when your thinking is like that you've got to understand, you got off track just a little bit. Now, by the same token, you cannot use the Bible to support your own theology. We ought to do this, and then I'm going to find a scripture that supports that. You need to go to God first. We need to be a presence-driven church. Whatever we do, let's pray first and find out what God wants us to do, even when we're having fun. This scripture right here kind of sums it up to me, Psalm 27, 4, and 5. One thing I have, you know it, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I don't have to exalt myself. God's going to do it. Allow God to do it. The church I love actively restores people's lives to health and wholeness and positions people to live in harmony with Christ's purpose. I've often said that when married couples, you know, come together, really it is the purpose of the husband to make sure that the wife fulfills her purpose. And it's the purpose of the wife to make sure that the husband fulfills his purpose. And it's the purpose of the pastor to make sure those in the congregation fulfill their purpose. And guess what? It's the purpose of the congregation to make sure that the pastor fulfills his purpose. We're accountable to each other. But we need to be looking to lift others up. Because when you do that, somebody's lifting you up. It's a lot easier when you do it that way. But we need to be a church that... Actively seeks to restore people to health. How you doing? What's going on? What can I do to help? Come on. Galatians six one, Brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Come on. In a spirit. Listen to what Paul is saying now. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Oh, he's talking really about an attitude. He's really talking about an attitude here. Restore someone else, but you do it in the right way, in a spirit of gentleness. And consider yourself, because you could fall into temptation just like anybody else. Come on. Church I love sees the church as an eternal purpose. We're just manifested in time right now. But this thing goes on. This is eternal. This is not a club. This is not something that we're just going to do for part of our life. There are those who say, I'm just going to try it. I'll try it out and see what happens. And maybe I'll go to this church. And then I'll go for a couple weeks. And then next week, a uh, couple weeks from now, I'll go to another church. And I'll just keep doing that. I'll keep this way I won't get hurt because I won't get involved. And people won't get to know me real well. And that way, you know, I won't get offended and my heart won't get broken. So I'll just hop around and hop around. Do you treat your marriage that way? Well, you know, I love you, honey, but if something comes along, that's better. I'm so glad that my wife doesn't feel that way. Because I know a lot has come along, but I held on to her tight. (laughs) We can't treat each other. We can't treat the church that way. Can't treat it that way. The Bible says in Isaiah, we are the planting of the Lord. God plants us. Come on. And if you're the planting of the Lord, if you allow God to plant you, He'll nourish you and He'll grow you up unto full stature, as it says in Ephesians 4. But if you just go anywhere, you'll never have roots and you'll never grow. Never have roots, never grow. Come on. You'll be shallow your whole life. The church I love is made of a lifetime of love relationships between all people of all ages and all backgrounds. Come on. This thing is for life, people. This thing is for life. There are some reasons, in case you're wondering, why should I love my church? Why should I do that? I mean, what has the church done for me? Well, let me give you some reasons to love your church. Because your church loves God with passion and heart. Your church loves god the life church loves god with passion and with heart your church creates an atmosphere where jesus presence touches lives your church honors the word of god all the time and everywhere your church puts the word of god above all else come on your church genuinely cares for and loves all people and if you, if you don't believe that or you haven't seen that just look around your church loves and genuinely cares for and loves all people. Your church reaches out to the community in meaningful ways. I've had a few uh, meetings uh, on campus over the past few weeks um, with some college students. And uh, just to get their take, uh, you know, I wanted to listen. You know, I don't want to say, well, you all you need to do is just preach the word of God and just say some scripture and, and that's all that's necessary. Well, guess what? Sometimes the people in college don't want a traditional thing. Or somebody who's arrogant and all you're doing is preaching the Word. I, I'm not down in the Word. Of course the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. But sometimes we can get arrogant. We can just take our Bible and just start beating people over the head with it. And, and what's the point of that? If you're not reaching that next generation, but you're beating them over the head, you're beating them away. I don't think God is pleased with that. Well, I'm doing what the Scripture says. The The Bible. You don't even say Bible. Bible, B-I-V-A. The Bible says, you know, we can't be that arrogant. So I wanted to listen to see what they had to say. And, of course, share what God would have to say. And we need to do that more. Your church loves your children and your youth with a fervent love. Your church reaches many nations with the gospel. Come on. Loving your church is a decision, an ongoing heart relationship that we should deepen that love should deepen. Acts 20:28 20, says that Jesus obtained the church with his own blood. And so we love the church because it belongs to Jesus and because we love what he loves. Let me tell you something about the church. The church is the vehicle in which the gospel of Jesus Christ gets to the world. The church We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the... God separated us specifically and specially. Come on now. He separated us. We are the vehicle. So if the church doesn't do it, don't look for the government to do it. You guys can argue all day long about Obama, Trump, this one, that one, uh, politics and all of that. Listen, it's the church. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God said. He didn't say if the government of America or the government of China or of this Russian leader or whatever. He said if my people, it's up to you. Come on. God puts leaders in place for a reason. But it's up to you and I. We're the ones who need to be on our knees hearing from God, petitioning to God. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I heal their land. It's about the church, folks. I want to tell you that. Church is important. In case you didn't think the church was important, the church is important. (laughs) Come on. I don't mean that to be arrogant or, you know, me or you, but I mean the church. The church is important. Let me finish with this. Let me give you eight ways to love and deepen your relationship. Eight ways to have a great relationship With your church how can i do this how can i have a great relationship with my church number one a great relationship to your church is built on time words and actions think about that time words and actions all three together You can't just say, you can't just have one of the three say, well, I spend time at church and, uh, you know, I come to church every Sunday, but you never speak to anybody. You never edify anyone. You never pray for anyone. You never come up for prayer. uh, You know, none of that uh, or any action. You're never involved in anything. Come on. But I spend time there. Or you can't just say, well, you know, listen, I, I pray for people all the time, but I do it at home. I I come to church once every so often, and I see the people, but I'm always praying for people at home. God wants that. He said, do not forsake the assembling together. There's something powerful when we come together. We have corporate prayer, and we have corporate service. There's something special and powerful about that. So it's built on time, words, and action. Action as well. Get involved. Be a person who is is involved. Come on. Not just by attending or coming to church. And it doesn't have to be uh, necessarily that you're head of a ministry or you're uh, involved in a ministry, although that's great. You should should do that as well. But you need to to talk to people. Call Get their number. Get their email address. Talk to people when there's no service. Call somebody on Tuesday or Friday. Come on. Be involved. We need to be involved with each other, lifting each other up. Number two, a great relationship to your church is deepened when you shoulder the responsibility. A lot of people have a lot of ideas about what should happen. Well, you know, I think you shouldn't uh, move the drums. And I think what you you should do with the youth is uh, you should have them, uh, you know, cutting grass and doing this. And I think what you should do with the children is uh, you should do it this way. Right, Forrest? I think, uh, you know, when y'all's ministers meeting, y'all need to be talking about this. And I think in the elders meeting, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what should happen. And guess what? I welcome those ideas. Don't just talk about it behind my back or someone else's back be involved well i think that uh you know they need to expand the van ministry they need to guess what thank you you'll be a van driver come on step up to the plate uh glad you said that come right on in am i right larry come on in join arms well children show. yeah i'm glad you said that because they sure could use someone down there next week all right i already got the lesson you can go on down that's right come on we need to be involved sometimes we need to get involved. We need to shoulder the responsibility no matter what it is. There's some great things that we do here. One of the things that I love, and I'm not just singling, it just comes to mind singling one person out because there's so many great things that happen. One of the things that I love is at Christmas time when Dorothy does her, we do a Christmas match. You know, her business gives and uh, she chooses out, you know, a family or whatever and her, her business sets aside some dollars and the church matches that and we give to a family. That's being involved. That's thinking of something outside the box. Come on, where we can help people. A lot of people have ideas, but if they're only in your head and only come out as complaints, it never helps. Come on. A great relationship to your church, number three, is strengthened when you support your spiritual leaders. Listen, I, I love to pray for you. The elders, we love to get together and pray for people. But guess what? We could use your prayers as well. We really could. I mean, I know I could. I could use your prayers because sometimes this is just dang on confusing. And I'm trying to get some clarity from the Lord. Lord, speak to me. Which way should we go? I could use some prayers. Help, help Pastor Mike be able to hear. Give him some bigger ears or something. Well, his ears don't need to be bigger. They're already big. You know, give him the hearing that goes along with those big ears. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I could use some prayer. I don't know about that. Number four, a great relationship to your church starts when you decide to become a problem solver. You can't do everything all at once. I know you can't give you know you work uh monday through friday or some people work on the weekends or whatever and i know you got other responsibilities and some have kids and some are getting ready to go to i know all of that stuff believe me i'm right in there with you all right i'm right there with you but if we all do a little bit come on then we come together and everything gets done am i right youth pastor if we all do a little bit all pitch in a little bit come on Shoulder the responsibility, and you decide to become a problem solver, not just a problem. (laughs) I know there's problems in the church. We know that. You don't have to tell me. Of course there's problems because we're made up of imperfect people. Sometimes you're one of the problems. (laughs) Come on. Number five, a great relationship to your church is enhanced when you personally connect to the vision. Find out what is the vision of the church. Loving Jesus, transforming lives. Connect to that. Come on. To be a church that is involved in discipleship with one another. Well, I'm sitting here. I haven't seen any discipleship. I'm just waiting. Well, stop waiting. Come on. Get involved. Get involved. Make some suggestions. Grab someone and disciple them. Maybe you want to be discipled. Call somebody say, I want to be disciples. Come on. I know there's things we, I know there's problems in the church. We're working it out, but you can be a problem solver and not just a problem. Come on. And you can connect to the vision. Number six, a great relationship to your church improves with a transformed perspective. We need to look at it different sometimes. Sometimes we come in and listen, I'm, I'm just as guilty. I, I wasn't this way when I was 18 and I've been in church my whole, I had been in church 18 years by that time. But there were Sundays I just didn't want to go to church. I mean, listen, the game was coming on. You know, I was in Ohio, so I was watching the Browns. So I just wanted to get my heart broken, you know. So I I said, uh, you know what I mean, Brother Ken. And so, I, you know, and we went to church, and my mom went to a church. Boy, I tell you what, Aunt Peggy's church, oh, my gosh. I mean, they, they said the starting time was 11, about 11.40. They got started, and, I mean, it was about 10 after 2, and I'm like, Mom, mom, the game is on. Mom, come on, mom. I mean, one Sunday I was crying in church. Teenager. Because I wanted to see the game. Come on, Jeff. I, I think, I think the Browns were playing the Cowboys that Sunday. I said, come on, Mom. It's 10 after 2. We've been here since 10 a.m. Service didn't even start till eleven forty. And he's just getting warmed up. I mean, the man just started clearing his throat. <clears> throat> Hmm. Come on now. I mean, there's been Sundays when I haven't wanted to go to church either. But we have to have a different perspective. It can't be I'm going to church to see what it will do for me. What is God going to do for me? How is God going to help me in my financial situation? How is the church going to help me? How is the church going to pray for me? What are they going to do? Is the church going to help me in my marriage? What can I get out of the church? Our perspective has to be what can I do for the church? What do I bring to the table? Because if you have that perspective, guess what? Not only will your problems seem strangely dim, but God will send someone to take care of your issues. You having issues in your marriage? Come and say, well, what can I give to the church? And all of a sudden you'll see somebody who begins to talk to you about your marriage. Come on, somebody. Or you'll hear a great message. Or there'll be prayer for it. But our perspective has to be, what can I give? the church what can i bring to the table number seven a great relationship with your church takes on new meaning when you purposefully use your gifts there's nothing worse than for someone to have a gift a gift of prophecy a gift of a word of knowledge a gift of service a gift of giving whatever it might be and for it just to be hidden in your heart Because God did not give you, listen, in case you didn't know, in case you haven't read some of the parables of the New Testament, and in case you don't know God's modus operandi and the way that he operates, his standard operating procedure, I want to let you know that when God gives you something, he expects something back. Come on. God doesn't give you something for you to hide it. You know the parable I'm talking about. If you don't, just read through all the parables, you'll get to it. You know the one of the good steward. Come on. God doesn't get, he, not only does he want it back, but he expects some increase. Purposefully use your gifts. And then lastly, a great relationship to your church is fortified by intentional community. What do I mean by that? We intentionally communicate with each other, and we intentionally uh, take what God has given us in here out to the community. In other words, we're not just a Sunday morning church. We don't just come and inside these four walls have a good time, talk to each other, and then forget about it until next Sunday. Commit to something. Commit. Commit. Jesus preached to the crowds, but his most compelling recorded conversations were with individuals in a small group setting on a one-on-one encounter. Change your perspective. If you haven't been out on Wednesday nights, come out on Wednesday nights. If you can't come out every Wednesday night, come out once a month. Come on. Connect. Commit. Try it. You might like it. You'll never know. Come on. The large gatherings of our church services are great for worship, teaching and vision, but by themselves, they are not enough. We need more. We need a transformed perspective on church. Come on. We need to look at it differently. We need to look at it differently.